The following podcast is a Vasilis Scarlia's production. Hello everyone, I'm Saloni. And I'm Vasilis. We run Changemakers, a student-run initiative that aims to empower, educate, and connect Gen Zers interested in entrepreneurship. We interview teenagers with impactful projects and create resources to help you change the world. If they can do it, so can you. On this podcast, we discuss the logistics of creating different types of projects with Gen Zers who have already done it. We will leave our social media and website information in the description. Hello, welcome to today's episode. Today we are here with public speaker, activist, and social entrepreneur, Jank Oz. Jank is the founder of Thread Media, a UK-based company specializing in publishing, media, consulting, and production for all things social impact and Gen Z. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jank. Thank you very much for having me. It's a very kind introduction. So tell us a little bit more about your journey with entrepreneurship. What inspired you to get started? Uh, well, let's be honest, no one really, I, I definitely didn't start off by wanting to be an entrepreneur. When I started off, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. Uh, but it's one of those things where uh, you get called an entrepreneur before you call yourself an entrepreneur. Because in the beginning, it really is just ideating, kind of having these ideas and these kind of thoughts in your head. So being labeled as an entrepreneur is kind of the last thing that's on your mind. Uh, and it kind of just fell into place. I kind of did a show and tell for the idea of uh, Thread or iCookie at the time. Uh, and then as that happened, I kind of, as we built it out to become more of a reality, as I said, kind of people call you an entrepreneur and much earlier than you call yourself an entrepreneur. So yeah, that's kind of when it when it when it kind of clicked. Yeah. So you're the founder of Thread Media, but your original idea was a website called iCoolKid. How did that idea come about? Uh well, so kind of classic Monday mornings in school, the teacher would always ask, So what did you do this weekend? And the other boys would always say, Oh, I went to this rugby match, I went to this football match, I saw this film, like that. But I'd always say, or I went to go see these graffiti kind of tunnels. I went to this dance convention. I went to go do this lesson. I went to go do play this instrument. Uh, so mine would always be a bit more kind of out of whack, out of bit, bit out of normal. And then the kids would say, so Jenk, what are you doing this weekend? Because I kind of want to join you. And what you're doing seems fun. Then my mom would start to email these, these boys' parents saying, uh, my kid were <laughs> this is what Jake's doing this weekend because your kid clearly like wants to join in. Maybe it could be quite fun for them. Then kind of that email went about as viral as it really can do in a kind of school mum's emailing group. And then we kind of realized, well, I kind of realized there's not really a website for this that I know of at the time. And so then we built iCoolKid. Uh, well, actually, so then we had the idea for iCoolKid. A few months later, I did a show and tell on it called I cool kid and the kind of the raw concept was still there then about three years of yesing and knowing and saying well will this be a good idea will it not once we decided on yes uh, years later we hired our first employee on may of 2016 and then on may of 2017 uh we launched the website icoolkid.com and uh that was the yeah the kind of summer of 2017 and then that lasted for a few years until kind of 2019 
which was uh, a few years later when we kind of had the idea for Thread. And then in June of 2020, we launched Thread officially. This is awesome. So what challenges did you face and how did you navigate them? Even if we're talking about iCoolKid and now for Thread Media. Uh, well, we I think the first challenge we had to face was uh, who we needed to hire to build the website because we... Kind of, I definitely didn't know much about any uh, about building websites, nor did anyone who I knew. So we kind of had to learn all this kind of thing and then understand uh, how we could hire a website. Uh, the most difficult thing was understanding what you really wanted your website to do, because that would be a very difficult, uh, different website designer based on what you wanted the website to do. So it really challenged us because we had to make sure our idea was as honed as possible before going in, so that we knew what we wanted coming out. Uh, and again, the overall user experience sort of changed massively depending on kind of what type of website you'd really wanted. So that was probably our first challenge that we faced. So why did you change iCoolKid to Thread Media, and what was that transition like? Uh, well, I realized that I was a kid, and the content was a kid as a begin, and the content was kind of kid aimed at the beginning. And as I started to grow up, the content started to grow up as well. But then what ended up happening is we had really good mature content on a kind of uh, on a not very good, not very, I mean, it's good, but it's not very mature kind of website face. So it was like putting a Ferrari engine into a Fiat 500 body is what I like to think of it. So uh, and also I was just wasn't a kid anymore at this point. So we had I cool and the word cool wasn't actually that cool. So then we just had I. So we thought we okay, something needs to change here. So then that's where the kind of that's when we started to think about the new concept of thread. And that was uh, end of 2019. Wow. So social change seems to be a very popular buzzword amongst Generation Z. What does it mean to you? Well, look, it, to everyone, social change is just the changes in uh, social structure and cultural patterns throughout the time. That's kind of what it actually is. What you're seeing happen nowadays is these, these social structure changes and cultural pattern changes happen on a massive, massive scale like they've never done before because it's on a global scale, whereas normally social change would take place on a country-to-country basis. Generally, the more developed countries will be further on in their kind of social change lifespan than the less developed countries would be. There are like loads of different types of social change. The really classic ones are like climate change, clean water, plastic waste, equity versus equality, kind of human rights, animal rights, plant rights even now, uh, like period poverty, mental health, refugee age, gun control, abortion rights. Uh, like I, Honestly, the list goes on forever. But those are the kind of the main ones that everyone has to deal with. Uh, the, the kind of social change that I feel most passionately about are, are the, the main two, and they're actually more intrinsically linked, is the first one is kind of driving social positive change uh, through the increased rates of youth activism in Generation Z. And the second one is being able to unearth lost Einsteins, uh, uh, which is a kind of a, a coined term, a term coined by a guy called Raj Shetty, who was a professor at the University of Harvard, which I'll speak about in a second, actually. Uh, on the first point, increasing the rate of youth activism, I find is a hugely important driver for, gen- for several reasons. I mean, firstly, Generation Z make up 32% of the population and 40% of consumers worldwide. So the second that their wallets uh, are in on something, that will have a huge impact on a company's strategic policies, such as their CSR. 
So when a company is able to align their moral compass with Generation Z's moral compass, they'll have share of mind and share of wallet, and then good things will happen for Generation Z and the company. Secondly, the youth have a voice that we're willing to use both digitally and live, as we saw during COVID and before COVID especially. I mean, the growth of collectivism, that's digital activism, collectivism, uh, throughout 2020 has been unbelievably, it's, it's immeasurable as a consequence and had a massive impact on social change because it meant that social change was able to continue even throughout the pandemic. So I think it was pretty cool, to be fair. Uh, on the second point of Lost Einsteins, I find that it's very easy for a parent or a teacher to identify someone who's academically good, uh, academically inclined, an athlete, a musician or a performer really super easily and early in someone's life. But it's virtually impossible to identify an innovator or an entrepreneur. So what you're left to do as an innovator or as an entrepreneur is to create your is to create your own uh, your kind of ideate on your own and create and drive forward your ideas in relative isolation. And I feel that schools really need to do a much better job of encouraging that ideation and being able to find these entrepreneurs, innovators to be able to do that with. This is great. So what advice do you have for creating good content? Uh, I think the kind of key to good content is being able to understand who your demographic is because good content works. What might be good content for someone one age is going to be really not good content for someone who's a different age. And I'm saying age, that's a really a pretty typical kind of thing. But even now I say age, you really have to align yourself with their age, their, their lifestyle, their location and their passion, I think are kind of the main things because you can have someone who is the same age but has and lives in the same area but doesn't enjoy the same things and that still won't be good content for one other person. So I think you kind of have to really understand who's writing, who's reading your content or who's like consuming your content. And once you can do that, then you can make, then you're going to find that your content, even if the quality of the content doesn't increase that much better, it will be perceived much better because you're writing to the people who enjoy your content. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, of course. So uh, there are plenty of subjects that we can look at, like you have mentioned with COVID and the pandemic and all the stuff. So what websites or resources can teenagers keep up with in order to get more informed? Uh, hmm. I think there are lots of good websites. Uh, the kind of, it depends what you're really looking forward, uh, looking towards. There's generalist websites who are really good for things like uh, the, the generalist websites uh, for things like all areas of social change. And the best of those are going to be Global Citizen. Uh, the UN Sustainable Development Goals website is good. Uh, DoSomething.org, One.org, We.org, that's W-E like us, We.org are the main general ones I can think of. Uh on a more individual kind of topic uh, basis, the best websites are uh, 350.org. There's a lot of dot .orgs. Uh, GLAAD or GLAAD. I don't know which way you say it. Either way. Uh, WaterAid, uh, Greenpeace, uh, obviously BLM, uh, Street Camps, Choose Love even, which is UK, which is Refugee Aid. Uh, those are the main specialized ones I can think of now. But yeah, those are probably the mine. My top 10, I think, almost websites. So do you think that your age is a disadvantage or an advantage when it comes to entrepreneurship? 
I, I must say, I, I do enjoy this question because everyone kind of expects you to say your disadvantage. But actually, I found that it's, it's been a massive, massive advantage for me because, I mean, it's almost every, I mean, it's literally every day when you kind of have a 40-year-old middle-aged uh, kind of person uh, doing, building their 14th website. But it's not every day where you have an 11-year-old building his first website. So naturally, you're going to get a lot more press, a lot more kind of traction, a lot more wow factor from the fact that I was doing this at such a young age, as opposed to someone who's kind of following a very standard uh, kind of pathway. And I found that helped me massively because I was able to gain a lot of press quite quickly and also gain quite a lot of followers from that press. And then I was able to kind of harness those followers in order to gain the web to kind of build the website numbers up. But it, and so yeah, and also it allowed me to get so many public speaking roles because Erica kind of lots of people want to listen to the, the 14 year old at the time, the kind of 13, 14 year old who started his own website. And that was kind of quite a big catch, I found. So you have been featured at the TEDx and you talked about five steps for getting started when you have an idea. Can you share those? The first, it's the first thing that I think everyone should do, and in the TED Talk it was called uh, Head to Paper. It's, it's just writing your ideas down on what I call a storyboard. And you have to really, the best and most efficient way to do it is say, you know what, I'm going to take any month. This, work, this month works well because it's only 28 days. Uh, but I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to take any month and every day I'm going to write, I'm going to either write an idea down on some paper or I'm going to elaborate on one of my ideas. And I'm going to put them post-it notes you know pin them to the wall uh whatever you want to do or just put them on a big piece of paper clear out some desk space and then you're going to by the end of the 30 days you're theoretically going to have 30 pieces of paper and that 30 pieces of paper will be your idea and if you want to do another you want to do another month of that because you think it was good and you want to elaborate more or like change some ideas then by all means do that but i think the first step is getting that idea because that's and i feel like i'm saying it like it sounds easy it's definitely not easy and this is the one step people struggle with the most because it's this is the biggest step into kind of like the biggest jump from an idea into something much more quantitative. And I feel like that's probably the, the hardest step that people don't realize. The next thing I'd say is once you have that kind of storyboard, that, that idea, you have to form an idea board of directors, which is uh, what I like to call an idea board of directors. It's kind of four or five people who you can talk your idea about, ideally who aren't your parents, so you can kind of, meet with them once or twice a month to discuss your ideas, people who you kind of feel quite close to, who are good to chat to, things like your cheap, your teachers, maybe your aunt or your uncle, your cousins, that kind of thing. Uh, then you, once you're kind of, once you've used their advice and you've come back to your storyboard and you've edited it more, you have to be able to find three things. And it's the why, how, and the what. It's an idea presented by Simon Sinek, but I think it's really quite crucial because it becomes your elevator pitch. You have three sentences. Why am I doing this? How am I going to do this? And what am I doing? And that's the kind of the that's the third step. Then once you've sorted out your why, how, and your what, you need to find four things. And that's a uh, that's uh, people, place, time, and money. So people to help you, a place to kind of allow your idea to grow, allow these people to be in and kind of think about this with you time to do it a very massive large amount of time and money actually not that much amount of money especially in the kind of early idea developing stages and then i think finally the final thing i spoke about in the talk was uh 
it's a more it's a big mental thing because you have to be able to say because I think the biggest shift and it's a bit like the first step is the shift into reality. It's it's a, actually I use the quote and the quote is if you treat your idea like a dream today it will be a dream tomorrow but if you treat your idea like a company today it will be a company tomorrow and that really that really really emphasizes the fact that it's so much more of a mental thing because the second that you kind of switch that narrative in your head everything else will switch with that narrative and it will make it much easier to be able to then take that from your head onto the kind of into reality but if you can't make that narrative switch it will never come into reality awesome so wow it seems like you're doing a lot outside of thread media you're a musician you're a public speaker you've done some acting in the past so what other hobbies and passions do you have outside of running thread media and how do you manage to balance school your activities and running a media company well, I think other hobbies and passions I have is the first question you asked. I think I've got, I mean, DJing, kind of music in general, actually. So DJing instruments, uh, sports, kind of rowing and working out now, kind of during COVID, uh, kind of playing video games with my mates, that kind of thing. So that one's, the last one's more of a pastime than a hobby, but that's kind of the gist. Uh, I think it's quite a hard thing to be able to balance, but it requires a lot of kind of scheduling and prioritizing. and Okay, well, to be fair, I'm a boarding school, so my schoolwork becomes quite easy to uh, to kind of shift from my uh, from my home life because when I'm at school, I'm at school, and like that's all my top priority. When I'm back from school, that's like what I said. It kind of takes a lot of uh, scheduling and prioritizing to be able to understand what I need to be able to do with my time and how I'm gonna shift my time to be able to still have enough free time to kind of chill out at night. What does the future look like for you? What does it look like for Thread Media? Well, kind of our future for me is pretty quick. It's pretty easy. I need to finish. I'm going to hopefully do well in my exams and my GCSEs, uh, kind of finish school and then go on to uni and then God knows what's going to happen past that point. I haven't really planned that. The thread, I have a lot more planning for and I kind of know what's coming. Uh, we've actually just launched the hustle section of the website. So that's got three subsections of upskill, entrepreneur and the career coach. And we now have a career coach on the website, which is pretty awesome because he is happy to answer any kind of career questions that any of our viewers have about social change careers. He's from Oxford Uni and he works at the uh, Said School of Business, the Said Business School, which is pretty awesome. And we're absolutely honored to have him on the website. The next big thing is happening next week, I believe. Uh, we're expanding our media partnership with Global Citizen, which means that we're going to be able to use their petitions pardon me, their petitions, their actionable posts uh, in our story so that you can sign a global citizen petition directly from our website without ever having to leave the website. Massive plus for us, massive plus for them to win-win. I can't wait. That's happening next week. Uh, we are translating the website. I've actually just seen a trial of it a few days ago. So that's kind of uh, Mandarin, Cantonese, Indonesian, Arabic kind of all the languages you can think of we've seen thread in and they all look quite cool so that's coming very soon uh we're launching threadmedia.com so that's the consulting side of the uh, of the kind of company and although that's been happening behind the scenes we now want to officially launch the kind of website so that people can see it in front of the scenes effectively uh we're launching our discord channel soon social x change like a x change uh 
alongside a group of 20 non-government organizations, uh, things uh, alongside of, kind of 20 organizations so that you'll be able to have conversations in Discord with these NGOs through our Discord kind of uh, server, which is going to launch quite soon, hopefully. We're launching our Changemaker Network program. So that's uh, kind of ambassadors, interns, Discord moderator programs, and actually our first group of interns starts next week on March the 15th, which should be quite cool. Uh, and then we're also starting our remote writer program. So we're going to be building out an ecosystem of kind of remote writers, uh, and we're soon going to be enrolling our remote writers. And that kind, of, that kind of leads into kind of like the big phase two of the website, which is where we're hoping to be able to make Thread IP uh, specific. So if you're coming from, uh, let's say, India, you'll see stories from remote writers within India. You'll see stories from remote writers within all of Asia. And then you'll see stories from remote writers around the world. But that will change your thread kind of your thread will change depending on where you're coming from. And that's kind of the, the big, big thing coming soon. This is it for today's episode. We'd like to thank Jenk for being here with us today. Thank you. As always, we will leave Jenk's social media handles in the description below. If you liked this episode, go and listen to our previous episode with an exclusive interview with YouTube artist Goats. See you next time and keep changing the world, guys! Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. We had such a great time. Make sure you leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at changemaker.c to keep up with all of our new content. We also have a Facebook page called Changemaker Z, but you'll need to look that one because I honestly don't even know how Facebook works. <laughs>